0: welcome back to jb squared i'm jb hager along with johan bernil stage 11 of the 2023 tour de france and johan will have some interesting things to share with us you know what was going on with a hard day like this after a rest day what's going on with different team dynamics who's protecting podium positions or top 10 positions there's a lot going on and just a hard hot day okay johan uh today was an, an exciting day. Very hard to predict all this stuff. I don't know how you guys are doing outcomes on days like that. It's, it's just a wild card sort of day, but the win today went to Peo Bilbao, which, you know, I started, I went immediately when it looked like he had a chance at it, I'm going to look up his stats and this is a guy that's been around a while. And that's why the yeah. name was so familiar. Very, very experienced rider. And a big win, and, uh, and 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 there's a lot of... I'll let you share why this win was so important for personal reasons and also for Spain.
1: Yeah. Well, Pedro Bilbao, you know, he's 33 years old. Um, very, very valued rider in the peloton. He's, uh, I think, actually, uh, I mean, at least until last year, he was top 10 uh, in the UCI ranking, actually. Um you know has been has been top 10 in grand tours a few times won stages in the giro uh, i I'm, I'm i don't know if that's his first stage within the tour probably not he won stages in the giro for sure um and in the vuelta but um but yeah i mean it was an, an, a strong breakaway you know there was 12 riders in front uh, um with with some really really big names and obviously Peyo Pe- bilbao was a rider that everybody uh, remarked, you know, he, he's, he has the pet degree, but also um, he was uh, uh, the most interested for the GC. Uh, although his ultimate goal and his ultimate motivation was none other than honoring his sadly passed away teammate Gino Mater uh, a few weeks ago in the Tour of Switzerland. Um, that's also what he said straight away after the finish, you know, is he said, you know, I don't want, I didn't care about, uh, the GC. I just had one mission. I wanted to win a stage in his honor. Here you have it, Gino, Gino this is for you. Wow. So, and it, it uh, was, and you know, a lot of these guys
0: are teammates and they don't spend a lot of time together necessarily. If you're on the same mm-hmm. team, you could be on different squads, you know, based in different parts of the, of the world. But these two in particular were pretty tight
1: yeah they are they they were tight um at the beginning of the tour um obviously the whole Bahrain team they have this little mark on their jersey and on their helmets. uh we write for Gino uh that's logical um i mean what a what a you know incredible trauma it must be you know to lose a lose a time a teammate in a teams and but but so you know it serves also as an extra source of motivation but um Bilbao before the tour. Announced that he was continuing the charity that Gino Mater had started a, a couple of years ago. I think in the in the Tour of Spain, I remember that Mater uh, was very very uh, involved with the preservation of the environment, and he um, he set up a little game during the Tour of Spain that you know every stage he was going to try up a, try of course uh, to end up as high as possible. He he finished fifth in the Tour of Spain, by the way later that year. and every stage, he was going to pay a certain amount of money for every rider that finished behind him. Mm. And he would dedicate that money to a charity which is about planting trees and and preserving certain areas that are uh, in danger of disappearing. Uh, Bilbao announced that he was continuing that charity and that specifically with the money that was raised during this tour de france the same as mader would have done uh plus asking for donations uh, on live on tv they wanted to buy a land uh in the basque country and plant trees there and give it uh, uh, gino, gino mader's name to that to that new forest i would say um so um there's another thing that that, that i read which is which is uh a very um you know emotional detail i would say uh gino Mater also was a an animal friend and he um got a dog from a shelter in spain from a, a rescue so rescue dog and uh, the shelter was uh, based in bilbao and he named his dog peyo mm uh, you know, in, 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 in honor of payo Bilbao. So, um, so yeah, I mean, they were, apparently they were very, very close and, uh, and you could see that payo Bilbao was, uh, uh, he was super, super motivated, uh, to win, to win a stage like today, you have to be super strong, first of all, but also have that, that extra special motivation. And, um, I mean, I was, uh, I think the whole peloton and on top of that Peyo Bilbao is a writer who's very, very liked in the peloton, a very social guy. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think we had a really nice winner today. Yeah. You've, you've talked
0: about it in the past, the, the, those days when you, you've got the strength of two men, you've talked about it after your father passed, Lance has talked about it after Casertelli passed. And, you know, it, there must be an understanding among the, among the peloton if, where if something happens to me, you know, you guys got to go on like that's, mm-hmm. There are some yeah. sports where there, somebody it passes, there's an accident, they call it off. But I think in, among cyclists, it's like they would say, you you have to race on, right? Don't stop anything yeah. for me, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, that's, that's, listen, I mean, I've been part only once of, uh, I mean, the, the Casartelli incident. And uh, it's, you know, it is, uh, it's terrible. It's terrible. But it's like a normal life, right? Life goes on. Um, so so, yeah, I mean, I think it's really, really nice that uh, the cycling community community keeps uh, honoring their their colleague and their friend. Uh, but what a, what, a, what, a, what a stage today, man I mean to to first of all, to be part of that breakaway, if you look at the composition of the breakaway. It was all really, really very strong riders. Uh, you know, you had uh, Asgreen in there, you had Ala Philippe in there. Um, at the beginning, Mohoric was trying to get in there. Chavez, uh, Kwiatkowski, O'Connor, Skelmose, Bargil, uh, I mean, all oh, guys that have either won stages already in the tour or were champions or uh, world champions, national champions. It was a really, really strong breakaway. Um, and, and then to be able to win from that breakaway, of course, is super, super difficult. So, um, but nobody was surprised to see Pedro Bilbao win. You know, he's an all-rounder and he has the experience uh, and he's also quite fast.
0: Yeah, I couldn't help but think about that when it gets to breakaways and being tactical to get the win. That's where the the seasoned riders have a bit yeah. of an advantage.
1: Yeah, you know, and also... A guy like Bilbao, you know, he is—he's not a spring chicken, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, winning a stage in the tour is—is—is is, is amazing for any rider. But the—if fa- you have these other younger younger guys in there who, who are kind of, you know, they—they they want to obtain something big, and then they're so—I mean—and they're riding well, but they're so excited that sometimes they make mistakes. Here in this case, Bilbao, okay, winning a stage or not winning the day was not going to change his career. So that gives you an advantage that you can really buy your time and, and, and just say, okay, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try once. And he was, you know, he tried, he he just tried it at the end and uh, made all the right moves. Well, let's kind of work backwards here.
0: It was a difficult day hmm. and after a rest day, which writers hate and it, it proved to be true because it just is a shock to your system. Right and yeah, then so, yeah tell me more about go. tell me more about that and what that's like and then i'll add to it do you th- do you think the tour intentionally you go, let's put something really difficult after a rest day because it shakes things up
1: it does it does uh i mean this this is a typical day like you know if i think back in in my days as a racer you see this profile you said holy shit, this is this is not good you know And I don't think anybody liked today's stage. Um, You know, rest days are a complicated phenomenon in a stage race. And most of the riders can use it, but a lot of riders can't deal with it. And it's not because, you know, it's and, and your body reacts certain times in a different way. So today you could clearly see, I mean, at some point there was, there was, people all over the place a fast start of course um everybody was suffering i mean everybody i'm sure that everybody was suffering but um a lot of it from now on is also like in these starts of these difficult stages it's a mental issue also you know have you need to be mentally prepared mentally ready to suffer for that first 30 minutes um uh, but today when i when i i mean i traveled back from belgium this morning so when I landed in Spain the stage was on already and uh, there was people all over all over and I said man this is exactly what you would expect you know um, very hot you know 40 degrees celsius which is 105 degrees fahrenheit I think um in that part of France not one single meter of flat up and down I mean there was the categorized climbs but then all the other non categorized climbs which is you know a really a uh, torture um also the pavement is quite rough over there uh in that part so the typical the typical nightmare rest day uh post post rest day uh, stage and uh you know what i'll uh, i'll address
0: this because a few people have asked um they're like when it's a, this these kind of temperatures this hot why don't they start them earlier and I, I know we've talked about this before but it's been a few years
1: yeah i mean listen it would definitely change something. Um, The finish, of course, would be, I mean, if they start two hours earlier, then you finish instead of 5 p.m., you finish 3 p.m., which is actually the hottest part of the day, right? So, Hmm. uh, but at least they would have two hours of, you know, maybe five degrees less in the morning, right? Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, five five o'clock is like peak time for TV. It's prime time. That's the coverage, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what the sponsors want. They don't want it running while while you're at work. Exactly. You know, when everyone Yeah. Or, I mean, it's a holiday now, but, you know, normally every in Europe, every important race finishes around five, you know, because even during weekdays, you know, when because that's when parents get back with their kids from school. And so. um, So, yeah, but I mean, hydration these days is crucial. I don't know how many bottles they, they, they drink per per stage, but, uh, I mean, and nowadays also a part of drinking, uh, you see a lot of cooling down with, you know, ice water or ice cubes and, and the ice uh, vests afterward or the, yeah, the, the, yeah. the ice bath, like
0: everything yeah. to bring that temperature down right away.
1: Yeah. But man, 40 degrees Celsius, that's, that's hot, 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 uh, Oh, man i could which is that funny
0: thing. which is funny to hear your reaction because where you live
1: gets, right now it is it is 40 degrees here right now yeah right
0: <laughs> and that's about <laughs> where it is what it is in my hometown of austin yeah. this time of year it's that's that hot but there's a difference between riding and racing in those temperatures
1: yeah you know and it's it's it's, it's there's a difference uh, you know sitting and doing a podcast here inside, it is, <laughs> you know, slight with, difference. With, yeah. You know, chill, <laughs> chill, chill. Drink, you know. Um, okay, let's go. Uh,
0: let, let's go backwards a little bit, Johan, and talk about how aggressive this race was early. Yeah. Uh, in, in this break happening early and what was going on with with uh Pogachar, Adam Yates uh-huh. Let's get into some Yeah, of we that.
1: could see we could see at some point uh, at some point the main group was only 40 riders left. Breakaway gone that breakaway of 12 riders also got together after a while, you know, like Ala-Philippe and Kwiatkowski and uh, I don't remember who else was there. These guys had to chase for a long time to get back. You could also say Philippe and Kwiatkowski were two big candidates for the stage win, but they had to spend so much already to get to the first six guys that ultimately they they paid they paid for it. You know, uh, I picked Kwiatkowski in outcomes yesterday as my wild card. So as I was getting ready, you know, I said, "Ah, oh, this is great," but you know, unfortunately, he he didn't make it. But yeah, I mean, um, at some point uh, I didn't see it happening, but then all of a sudden there was a little group in front, and Pokalcha was there with two teammates, and and was there with only one teammate, and uh, I said, "What the hell?" I mean, like it's you, there's so much action going on, uh, and you know we've talked about it a few times already in past uh, stages. You know this this question about Sepkus and, and Adam Yates, you know, Sep Kuz being the last guy for Jonas Vingegaard and Adam Yates, the second best rider in UAE, and why they are up there in GC, you know. And today it was clear why, you know. Uh, definitely, um, I think Jim Wisma had this plan from the beginning, to because they have, I think they really are a team that plan out everything and then stick to that plan. Sometimes a bit too much, but... Uh Sepkus is up there, especially for stages like today. You know, then, then they have Sepkus in a group, and ideally, you know, then, then Ineos has to pull uh, to bring it back because um, you know, or UAE has to pull because he gets closer in GC. Um, today, actually, both both teams um, took advantage of the fact that Payo Bilbao was in the front. Bilbao was in the front and uh, he got all of a sudden up to 6th, 7th in GC and started to become a threat for the fourth place. Uh, actually, fourth and seventh for Ineos. They have Carlos Rodriguez and um, and Tom Pitcock and also Simon Yates is up there in GC. So Ineos started to work uh, in the final of the stage, which was great for, for Jimbo Wisma. And uh, and even Jake Kualula started to work with with one or two guys to protect or to preserve the the, the chances of Simon Yates for GC. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sep Kus was there, and and of course Adam Yates was on him. Uh, so basically, neutralizes that whole plan of having Sep Kus up there uh, in GC, high up there, and because Adam Yates is uh, is in fifth or was in fifth, he's now. I think, in sixth, right? Because, uh, yeah, he's in sixth now because Bayou Bilbao climbs up to uh, to fifth place. Um, so, you know, there was a lot, a lot, a lot going on. Uh, initially, uh, we saw two big groups on TV, of course, because it's Tour de France. They were focusing on group two because David Godu was in there, who was fourth last year in the tour and uh, was... The big hope for a podium for for France and for Rupala FDG, and old Romain Bardet, uh, you know, ex podium, ex second in, in the in the Tour de France in the past, and and also a guy from top ten. So they were way back. Um, so they didn't didn't really digest the 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 rest day very well. But surprisingly, also there was three riders of Jimbo Visma in there in that group of distance riders with Walt Van Aert. Uh, so I was really surprised to see that. So they are not robots and 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 Superman who can be there all the time. I think Walt Van Art's legs in the first part of the race today hurt like hell. Also,
0: today's show is brought to you by Ketone IQ. Brought to you by HVMN. In fact, in two or three days, we're going to talk to Michael from hvmn uh interesting guest and we can find a lot more about ketones but uh i've been passing it out to friends to try so give this a go whether you're racing or just want to feel better be more alert just make it part of your routine and uh and i've mentioned it on the show before i've seen the biggest difference in mental alertness clarity energy not bonking throughout the day you know, and I attribute it to the starting to take these on the regular basis two or three months ago. Uh, so, you know, you can do a subscription where they send it to you on the regular. It's pretty easy and we can save you 30%. All right. If you want to give it a try, I suggest giving it two or three months at least. And uh, you can do a subscription to have it sent to you regularly and get 30% off, which is really important. HVMN.com slash the move and get 30% off. So one more time, HVMN.com slash the move. And subscribe upon checkout for 30% off. Today's show is also brought to you by Ventum. Uh, you should check out their GS1 or their NS1. The GS1's the gravel, NS1's the road bike. Of course, Ventum was in the game with tri-bikes too. If that's that's your thing, you should see some of their designs and the performance of some of their tri-bikes. But, you know, we're more roadies around here. So we've been playing with the GS1 and, and the NS1 for some time. And uh, something that I really like about it, is I, I've been through it two different ways. One where they just sent me one of what I should be riding and one where I went online and spec'd it all out, which was a really interesting thing to do. And I kind of compared it, not that I was going to buy another brand, but I compared it to how some of these other brands online allow you to do it. And without a doubt, Ventum has so many more options uh, as you're building out your bike, as you're specking it out, you can pick the handlebars, you can pick, uh, of course, your stem length, your crank length, and just the whole array of components, whichever one you prefer, the higher level if you're more serious if you race or if you're just want to ride on Saturdays and just tool around you don't have to spend that much money but the frame is the same either way whether you spec it out as a $3000 bike or a $15000 bike it's one frame top of the line it's not downgraded uh for a lower end bike check it out at VentumRacing.com, and you can get 10% off 10% off when you use the code we do at checkout at ventumracing.com slash the move you know you mentioned ineos doing some pulling and i'm reminded of the the last few years of us doing the show we would talk about uh, you would point out that ineos was up and pulling for no reason just because that's what they've always done they've always yeah. controlled the race this year we're seeing a debt very different ineos rodriguez is right there what do you now, know what what can they're we def- expect from Rodriguez in this, you know, going into the third week? Could it be a real threat?
1: Yeah, well, now that they're pulling for a reason. They know what their goal is. You know, obviously they have shifted their mentality. They know they're not going to win this tour, right? And they knew this already before the start. They didn't even know for sure who their de- designated leaders were going to be. Uh, so now they have Rodriguez up there. Carlos Rodriguez is in fourth place. Um, young talent, um, really, really good rider. Plus they have Tom Pitcock in the top 10. He was seventh until today. Um, So I think that's going to be their goal to try to get these, keep these guys up there Um, because that's obviously, you know, it's nice. I mean, Rodriguez is now in fourth position. Jay Hindley has shown at some point some kind of uh, weakness on the Puy de Dome. So, So maybe Rodriguez could be a candidate I, I think i think he can do it hmm. the strange thing though with ineos and carlos rodriguez is that um they're writing for him uh they're really focusing on him and and i'm hearing you know it's not confirmed but i'm hearing from reliable sources that he's leaving ineos and goes to Movistar to be hmm. their top leader yeah a
0: little bit of scoop there uh we also saw Alpecin um starting to to ride off the front a little bit today. what, what was your did they think they were going to set up Philipson?
1: That was really something that I was super surprised. Um, the breakaway was was gone. They had two and a half, three minutes. Wisma was controlling it. so basically the 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 peloton was was slowing down a bit, but still I mean ma- maintaining the, the the distance with the breakaway. And all of a sudden I see uh first it was I think at first it was one writer, I think it was uh uh I forget his name now. Um Damn. <laughs> uh for I who got his name anyway, uh Al-Pasin guy. So he started to to pull together with one guy from Jake Walula. So what do you look then? Why are they doing this? Well, Philipson was in the, in the group and no other sprinters were in the group. And Jay Kualula was started to pull because Simon Yates's position became under threat by Peo Bilbao. Um, now, uh, Quintin Hermans was the guy, Quintin Hermans from Alpesin, uh Second last year in, in Liège-Bastogne-Liège. But then all of a sudden you see Mathieu van der Poel on the front. And 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 going like really really fast. So, but nobody else was there. So it was Wald van Aert sitting in his wheel. Jumbo-Visma didn't. They were fine with the break, as long as it stayed around this, you know, three minute mark. And Mathieu van der Poel goes and goes and goes and 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 you know, even if Mathieu van der Poel on his own, there is no way he can bring back these. 12 or 14 riders. That's yeah, just you you you
0: rattled off the names earlier. That was well-represented. Yeah, that's
1: just not going to happen. You Too know, much time. O'Connor, ben O'Connor, Peo Bilbao, Asgreen, Skiel Mose, uh, Ala-Philippe, Kwiatkowski, forget it. Forget it, you know? And uh, and so I, I think, what are they doing? So I, I still don't understand now. This is now, you know, we're now at least an hour and a half after the stage. Um. I don't know I don't know what was happening uh and I, I I even understand less uh except the fact that both Mathieu van der Poel and Walt van Aert are incredible bike handlers they're having fun going downhill hmm. and they just got away from the from the from the peloton uh when they got 15 seconds they looked at each other you know and they they said a few words and they started to work together
0: and, and uh, how many times have they done that in their career right these guys are just attached at the hip. We've talked about it for a yeah. long time. One goes, I'll go.
1: You know, they just yeah. are used to that and they, they yeah. find themselves there, off the front. Line. But there also, you have to question, you know, okay, it's nice. But once you see that after four or five kilometers, the difference stays the same. You know, there were, I think they were 240, 240 behind when they went away. And then all of a sudden they went to 220 and then I went up to 227 and then stayed around and so said, you're not going anywhere, you know, even Matthew van der Poel and Walt Van Art. So that was, that was really, um, very, I mean, a, a lot of energy spent for nothing. So I personally think that just, uh, these guys just, are super they're super strong. So tomorrow they're going to be back at it again, for sure. Mm. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, from then it was clear that, listen, if even those two super engines going full gas cannot take any time back this is there is no way yeah and Anyways. they kn- they know how to work together yeah. like
0: yeah. you know it's incredible yeah. um we're seeing some big big breakaways large groups but you anticipate these to get smaller and smaller right
1: well smaller and smaller no i'm i'm anticipating what we're going to see more and more of the same riders you know mm. we're coming into this into this uh, second half so after the first rest day, um, we we get the typical situation where you know you will you we will see the same guys over and over again on days like today. Uh, I I always say you know and and after the first mountain stages and you have one or two transition stages of the tour you get into a, a mode where you have thirty humans uh, and then you have fifty hospital patients who are, you know, some of them are in ICU because mm-hmm. they're in, that, in in bad shape and they and, and the, the, one, the, the 100 other riders are zombies. They're just riding <laughs> around and just trying to get to, to, to Paris, you know? Uh, and today we could see the start of this, you know, there were 30 humans, 50 hospital patients and 100 zombies today. And the zombies are going to get more and more in numbers.
0: And all on. of us watching and listening would give anything to be a
1: zombie, which sounds funny. <laughs> like
0: just well, to, yeah, just to yeah. do the
1: event is would be amazing. It's not fun. I mean, listen, I mean, I can <laughs> tell you, you know, once you're there now and and after today, if you ask after today to the whole peloton, what did you think about today? Is it nice to be here? They would say, Go, 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 go away. I don't want to even answer that question. <laughs> were, it's, it's, it's it, the day was torture, really torture.
0: How many grand tours did you complete as a writer? We
1: know your director history well, but, um, let's see. I never did the Giro. Uh, and I was never in a team that was focusing on the Giro. So tours, I think tours seven or eight. And Vuelta's probably five or six, so about 13, 13 or 14. Wow. Real quick. Not that many, not that many actually. It ah, uh, sounds like a lot to me. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. But I had a few years that... I mean, the first three years, I didn't do any Grand Tour because I was a small team. And then of, out of the years that I was on a bigger team, there was two or three years that I was injured and couldn't do a Grand Tour. So, But I've done a lot of uh, years of two Grand Tours in one and- season
0: and we won't spend a ton of time on it, but reflecting on your grand tours, which was your best and which one was just the worst?
1: Um, well, my best grand tour was uh, in terms of results, uh, uh podium in the, in the Vuelta third place in the Vuelta in, in 95, the worst, the worst. I, I think the worst was my last, my last tour of, yeah, definitely my last. So 98, um, it was also my last year as, as a pro cyclist, I crashed, uh, on stage one, we had a prologue. It was in I start in Ireland. We had a prologue, Chris Bortman had won it. So he was in the yellow Jersey stage one, I getting, I'm, I'm in a crash Bortman's is involved also Bortman. And I broke three ribs okay. and I went on for 10 days with three broken ribs, uh-huh. uh, until, until the first big, big mountain stage. and that was it uh, i i got to experience the parallel world of the zombies in the back <laughs> you know, because that's where you always hang around you know you're always around the same people within if, if you look at the, the peloton in <laughs> the tour this is this is it, its own little world and you have the same people at the, at the same places all the time so yeah that uh, 98 was uh, that was yeah that was a nightmare wow and what
0: year did you go off the cliff was that, that was
1: 96. 96.
0: So you can go off a cliff and it still wasn't your worst year. That's cycling it right not, there. No, definitely
1: not my worst year. No. <laughs> wow.
0: Uh, a great clip to Google, by the way. Johan, 96, goes off a cliff and, and hikes back up there, ready to go. It's a great clip, by the way, if you haven't yeah. seen it. Okay, now let's take a look at stage 11. You know, I looked at the profile and after today you know, I kind of blurted out on the move. Oh, maybe they're going to look forward to this day. And of course, Lance and George were like, no, 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 not so easy. What are your thoughts on tomorrow?
1: There are no more easy stages from now on in, in the tour. Um, you know, t- t- tomorrow it looks, it looks on paper. Okay. It could be, um, should it could be a bunch print, but you know, I mean, if you look at the beginning of uh of the stage, you know they have they have those four uh, those cat four climbs and, and then a few others that are not even look. I'm, I'm, just, I'm look, just looking at the profile here. I see the the biggest peak uh, of tomorrow's stage is not even uh, a classified uh, KOM. Um, so very 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 appropriate for breakaways and then it's gonna it's gonna be up to the teams with sprinters to see if they have enough power left. To make it back let's not forget you know now now we get into this complicated stage of the tour where sprinters are tired because they had to they got dropped on climbs that, and on top of that they have teammates around them sometimes three or four teammates who basically their job is to make sure that these guys get on time to the finish and even if sometimes they're 30 minutes 35 minutes behind it takes a lot of energy to do exactly the same traject from as the peloton, but on your own, or with, you know, or with three or four teammates and no other help. So, you know, they're running out of gas, you know, uh, I still think it can be a bunch sprint. It's not another, an, not an easy stage. Um, but, but, uh, uh you know, some sprinters are not going to make it, or they're going to be so tired that they can't sprint anymore. That's also going to start happening. Uh, tomorrow, I can't really say, you know, it's, it's, it could be, look, the fastest sprinter is Jasper Philipson, right? And everybody knows he won three stages already. So Alpesin is in a dream situation. They do not have to obsess about getting another bunch print. You know, it's not, there's, there's very few teams, if any, that are going to go home with three stage wins. Right. right? So, uh, anything that they do now is a bonus, and they still have Paris, which is a guaranteed bunch print. So um that could be something that motivates other riders to to go in breakaways. Um, but it's it's a it's it's a lot harder than you would think on the profile, and especially mm-hmm. after finishing destroyed from the terrain, the speed, and the heat of today. Um, any new tricks they've
0: learned to to rehydrate better um, on days like this?
1: I think they're doing. I mean, first of all, the the products, the composition of the the the, the supplements and the minerals has improved incredibly. You know, as opposed uh, to just sugary drinks was what it well, used to be. Well, I mean, be, right? then you had you had <laughs> sugary drinks and then you had mineral drinks like isotonic drinks. The isotonic drinks have now specialized so much that the absorption of all the minerals you need is a lot better than before. I remember at the beginning when we got isotonic drinks, uh this is what is it, what is it, what is it like 35 years ago? We you had to get you had you could get problems with your stomach. Mm. You know, now this is all so fine-tuned that really what goes in gets absorbed, you know. <laughs> uh then there's a bunch of new technology Um, Or just simple things that before we simply couldn't do because we didn't have the resources or the manpower, you know, the cooling down after the stages, uh, it it all helps tremendously. And especially in the the stages they're going to have now, because it looks like the heat (laughs) has arrived and it's here to stay.
0: Okay. We have a, uh, obviously a brand new NS one, the Ventum road bike up for grabs just by participating in the trivia and it's fun. Yesterday's question was, uh, who was the youngest rider ever to win the tour de France? The answer, did you know it without looking it up? No, I've didn't.
1: seen it on the other show. I, I had no idea.
0: Henry Cornet of France, the youngest winner of the tour. He was 19 years old. This was in 1904.
1: Oh wow! So the second Tour de France ever.
0: Yeah, the second nice. Tour de France.
1: And so he won. Would, Perry, how, he,
0: this guy won Perry Roubaix too.
1: Oh wow! Yeah, okay, well, we would need to. We would need to see how many participants, how many stages, how long would I mean? But, you know, I mean, just think about it. If if you, I can only imagine. You know, uh, probably no no derailleur, so no no gears. No, no not probably for sure. Yeah, no gears. Yeah. Uh, long, long, long stages of big endurance, and a young guy like that—that's that's quite impressive. That's
0: it is. It is. Yeah. His uh, his nickname was Le Rigolo.
1: Le Rigolo. Le Rigolo. The 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 fun maker. The joker.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah see Very yeah. good. Yeah. Lance and George didn't get that. Uh, tomorrow- Go ahead.
1: Of course not. Of course <laughs> they didn't. <laughs>
0: Today's question, and uh, you can answer it for a chance to win that bike. And this will take a little more effort to find the answer, I believe. Who was Lance Armstrong's youth swim coach? So you're probably going to have to dig around and find an interview somewhere that mentions that. That's a little more obscure. We'll take some work. I can tell you I have no idea. <laughs> I know. That's a tough one. So <laughs> do, do your research, whatever you need to do to find out. Email your answer to trivia. At ventumracing.com and you're entered to win an NS1, which we'll give away at the end of the tour. All right. Uh, a couple questions for you, Johan. First, Cheryl writes, uh, greetings from southern Italy. Uh, question for Johan. Andy Schleck was a very accomplished climber, climber early in his career. How would he compare to Bogacchar and Vingegaard as a climber, uh, not on a time trial bike? I'm a happy retiree from California riding around Puglia every Sunday with an amazing Italian cycling group. Their motto is always in the saddle. That's Cheryl.
1: From Puglia. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll tell you something about Puglia. I'll first answer the question. Um, well, Andy Schleck, obviously, when he came to the, to the professional cycling, um, if I'm not mistaken, in his first year pro, um he, he he finished second in the Giro um like came to the forefront like straight away and then got into these uh battles with uh well first with Cadell Evans uh, and then with Alberto Contador you know it was Contador versus Andy Schleck uh and in the mountains he was quite equal to to Alberto Contador Contador was a better time trialist. He had a he was a more complete rider, um, but Andy Schleck was uh, an amazing talent, amazing talent, and pure natural born talent. You could see the guy was just made to be on the bike, um, and and you know it looked to me. I mean, I've worked with him for one year when we when we merged Radio Shack and Leopard, which is now still was was still team Trek and now little Trek. So that, that's the same team. Um, and it was, you know, I could work with him for one year and it was clear, you know, the guy just had it naturally. Uh, I'm not going to say he, he, uh, he had to train less, but, but yeah, he had to train less. He mm-hmm. could get away with less training and still be good. He was, he was really that good training. We yeah. are saying training less
0: helped him. Would he, or, well, no, or, I mean, or he could no, just he get was,
1: it. Uh, he was so talented that he was on a, on a, on a super, super high level with less training than the others. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, very, also super, very, very nice guy. Very, we had him on the show, uh, last year, two years ago, I think, uh, we had him on the show, right. As a, as a guest. Yeah. I've heard all of you speak fondly of him. Yeah. And, uh, he's at the Tour de France. He's. I think he's the v, one of the VIP uh, uh, guides for Skoda, which is you know one of the main sponsors of the of the Tour de France. So uh, no, now, super nice.
0: How about Puglia? You've intrigued me.
1: Okay, Puglia, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Puglia, yes. So uh, my second last year, end of '97, I raced the Tour of Puglia. As you know, Puglia is deep south of Italy. You know, it's like you know all the way down. Um, and and very you know very everything's very remote, uh, and so I raced the Tour of Puglia. I got in, I got into a crash and I broke my pelvis. Oh, um, and so that the, that, grew- that can often be a career ender, right there. It basically it, was It basically was a, it basically, it basically was. I still did one year, but it no. would it nothing no. was. It was not like before. I was not sitting the same on the bike, and um, so uh, so yeah. So of course. You know, you're you're there. You're in the ambulance. Um, actually, my director, my team director Theo de Roy, uh, was uh, he stepped out of the uh, out of the car and came with me in the ambulance to the hospital. Uh, and uh, the 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 mechanic drove further with the uh, with the car to the finish. So that was super super nice. I I, I always remember that he was he was extremely extremely nice to me. Um, and it felt you know like even okay, I was already thirty three years old, but uh you know you're still there, you know i you're in a in a foreign country you you broke, you broke you, you broke your pelvis and then they bring you to a hospital uh, I mean, that hospital was just something else. it was a military hospital um, and uh well, everything was old and 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 they came there. I didn't speak Italian. Um, and, uh, I could understand that they were going to, yeah, yeah. we need to, we need to do surgery. I said, Hey, I said, Theo, I am not getting surgery here. There's no way. <laughs> you know, so, and then Theo, again, you know, we had, uh, uh, at Rabobank, I was at Rabobank that, that year. And, uh, we had an extremely, extremely good, uh, medical insurance. So Theo and the team organized that uh, a private ambulance plane could come and pick me up and bring me. Back to uh, I went to to a hospital in Belgium and there they they looked after me and finally I didn't need surgery so it, it healed without surgery. But did yeah, you, I mean, did you
0: heard, me. did you hear them say the Italian word for amputate or something?
1: No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that. but you know what I mean? Well, you, you imagine all kinds of things. You know, I was I was there in pain and you see, I mean, there was other a lot of people and 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 I was I was in a big room where there was a lot of other uh injured people and there was this italian families coming there and oh i said okay Theo, uh, uh, you need to get me out of here so thank you theo i still remember i'm very grateful uh that you uh you took care of me there and uh i I will never forget it
0: (laughs) it's now cheryl i'm thinking of our listener cheryl don't have an accident don't have an accident
1: in Puglia. Well, isn't okay? if she's if she's, <laughs> if she's established there and she rides bikes and I'm pretty sure she has everything well organized. Uh, you know, and we we talked
0: about it at, at one of the races earlier this year of the resources that riders have to get the proper care right away to fly yeah. them to the right surgery immediately. Yeah, a lot more resources now for cyclists. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so you know, I was very privileged back then, you know, this, this is nineteen ninety-seven, so it's a while ago, uh, that I could actually take advantage of that service and uh get into a, it was I remember it was a private plane, uh, and a hospital bed, and a doctor and a nurse with me. So it was it was unbelievable it was great, great, great to to get taken care of like that and I mean flown back to uh to my hometown actually. All right. One more question here. Cause I know, I know you've got a
0: lot more to do today. Predicting uh, tomorrow's outcome is going to be challenging. Yeah. And then, and then you guys are probably going to spend a lot of time on La, La Movida talking about having a Spanish winner. So one more That's, question here. Yeah. Uh, this is from Jim says, has the UCI ever entertained the idea of teams trading for riders like they do in other sports, as opposed mm-hmm. to buying out contracts or just waiting it for an end. then, in- in- like literally saying, I'll trade you this rider for that rider.
1: Yeah. No. The answer is no, They've no. I mean, it, you. It, it, I mean, potentially you could do it if, you know, even if it's not within the UCI's rules, you could do it. Um, if there's... Actually, you know what? I don't know now because, you know, contracts normally... All contracts start on January 1st. They end on December 31st. So I don't know... Um, I'm pretty sure that there would be a way around but it's just not common in cycling um it's um that has to be so
0: sp- specific and perfect yeah, to be the rider yeah. you want and someone that this for the deal to go down it a lot that's of stars would have to align
1: that's the thing you know i mean uh, uh if you want a rider it's almost sure that the team is on won't let them go unless there's a huge huge reward uh and then you have the budget issues you know like if you're in the middle of the season um your sponsorship money is up you know you you've spent or you know already what you're going to spend it on before the start of the season so um cycling i, I can't see it happening hmm. there would there would need to be changed something in into the economics uh in the revenue stream of of uh in cycling and hmm. that's the eternal debate you know uh the the cake is not shared um, in the right
0: in right proportions. You know, it's the organization versus the writers. Yeah,
1: but it's Aso goes with the major share, and uh, the yeah we've talked about it. You know, ra- writers radios, for example. This year we see it. We see sometimes this little clip. You know, something we've been pushing for twenty plus years to you know to have this and sell this. Well, Aso got around it, and they got you know they got the teams fooled, so the teams get five thousand euros for them to let a s o use their internal secret yeah, com- yeah. communications that's that's ridiculous mm. yeah
0: um well, again, thanks for your question, Jim. really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to do a future question, sorry, we can only get to so many during the day, but I do read them all and appreciate you writing in. Uh, just send it to JB Square jb2 at wedo.team. And, Johan, we will be back tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow, JB. And tell, tell Victor Hugo we said happy birthday. We mentioned it yeah, on the move birthday today. Birthday. That was yesterday, but it was- oh, It was his
1: birthday yesterday, the day before. It was uh, the 20th anniversary of, uh, of his yellow jersey, but I would definitely tell him happy birthday. Yeah,
0: he's having a good week, I'm sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> All right, thank, thank you, Johan. Okay, bye.